the major topic, I mean, like you said, I mean, that's major because I do have an onslaught of things, but my major focus is culture. And why culture would you say? So um, with the pre-COVID situation to the COVID and now post-COVID, there are a lot of business decisions that have been made around the fact that, okay, now maybe it's much more cost-effective to work hybrid um, because we saw that during the time that we had to go off completely, we did save a lot and yet productivity did not reduce quality of work did not reduce. So, I mean, it's something we're pretty much planning to take on going forward. However, why I'm now saying culture is because remember again that people view culture as something that is much more enjoyed or impactful in social gatherings when it's physical. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. As you know by now, one of the things that I, that I get the most excited about when we have these conversations in the podcast is the global perspectives that we bring to the table by inviting HR leaders, practitioners from literally all over the world and getting to hear the, the things that they are working on and the challenges and the opportunities that they are facing in their jobs from, from the HR perspective. So I'm very, very happy to welcome uh, Temi today to our conversation. Temi has more than 40 years of experience. Uh, she's now leading PG in Africa, which is the largest of green solar company in West Africa. Temi, Temi Topi, how are you, my dear? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm all right. You pronounced my name wonderfully. I should give you a star for that. <laughs> hey, hey, there you go. But hey, I, I chickled a little bit. I asked her before the podcast. You know, one thing, <laughs> Jamie probably goes, uh, you know, often through this exercise of getting to ask people how to properly pronounce their names. You know, that's a, that's a, a sign of, um, you know, respect, right? So that we, I am, I, I'm originally from Venezuela. I live in the United States and, I, I like when people pronounce my name Enrique, like it is. So, uh, <laughs> tell me, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm fine, Enrique. I'm quite happy to be part of this. I have been part of um, Akin HR right from contributing as a mentor to one of your mentoring programs, as well as speaking on the panel um, this year as well in March. And I think it's an awesome thing um, that Akin HR that you're doing, especially with the COVID economy, as I like to call it, and the lots of contributions that we're getting globally and that diverse knowledge. So Definitely very happy to be here and definitely feeling good today, except for the heat in Ghana. <laughs> hey, it's expected. <laughs> it's expected, right? Well, uh, Jamie, it's great to have this conversation, and I want to begin by asking you the following. What, you as a nature leader, what's on your agenda for 2021? What are the things that you think you would be spending the most amount of time on? I mean, that is, that is a very wonderful question, um, especially in this time that we're in. The major topic, I mean, like you said, I mean, that's major because I do have an onslaught of things, but my major focus is culture. Mm-hmm. And why culture would you say? So um, with the pre-COVID situation to the COVID and now post-COVID, there are a lot of business decisions that have been made around the fact that, okay, now maybe it's much more cost-effective to work hybrid um, because we saw that during the time that we had to go off completely, we did save a lot and yet productivity did not reduce 
quality of work did not reduce. So, I mean, it's something we're pretty much planning to take on going forward. However, why I'm now saying culture is because remember again that people view culture as something that is much more enjoyed or impactful in social gatherings when it's physical. And with the hybrid situation, we've not been able to be as physical as we usually used to be where there are water cooler discussions, mm -hmm. there are physical town halls. And then of course you can pretty much observe and see somebody if they are leaving the cultural values of the organization or not. But now that has changed, we can't do that. So um, it's a major top to be able to at least say, how do I sustain culture while being remote? Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So uh, while being remote. So, and again, because of the way PEG is, PEG is a multi-diverse cultural organization. We have a lot of nationalities. So just to ensure that that's, we don't lose that sense of belonging and still be able to do what we normally do with regards to celebrating culture, celebrating our values, engaging on those kind of things virtually is really the major topic um, for us, whether it's from hiring and ensuring that people with the right culture are coming in and that hiring through the COVID process is that people still understand and feel um, what our culture is like, even though probably they've resumed virtually is really a major topic for me. Yeah, well, and that is quite quite a powerful topic. I, I think that right now, across the world, actually, many organizations are discussing the hybrid model work because they know that, like you're saying, for some people, working from home is fantastic because well, they can take care of family, they don't have the horrible commutes that they had before. But some of the people, and you probably know many of them, they don't like working from home. They want to be in the office. You know, they, they, they have their friends at work. Their social relationships are in the office. And they are having a hard time working from home. So finding the right, the right approach is so complicated. So, so yeah. let me ask you this. When you think about building culture in a hybrid workplace, what, what, what are the foundational pieces that you keep in mind when trying to architect this culture? What are the things you need to take care of in order to architect this culture in a hybrid workplace? Um, I mean, some of the things I think about, if I were to pick my own current um, um, work environments, like I mentioned, um, we um, are currently are in four different markets. And so that means four different cultures and like i said beyond that we also have experts that are part of this so in order to maintain culture during this hybrid situation we've had to ensure that when we are setting up culture type engagements we're setting it across markets so typically where i might have maybe ghana versus um, Nigeria, for instance, it wouldn't be that case. It would be a department in all of those markets versus a department across all of those markets, if you mm. understand what I mean. Yeah. So just to ensure that it's not a market silo, but it's a cross-market kind of competition in terms of culture that is going on. Some of the other things that are quite important is also town halls. Town halls would continue to happen. So the only thing that is that we're thinking about doing or doing pretty much is having town halls at the global level 
that then speaks and sees every employee regardless of where you are because through those town halls we're talking about the business we're talking about employees of the month celebrating anniversaries and customers then we still bring that locally downwards where the town halls still happen at the local level again so this way we are still entrenching what is our culture and ensuring that people are in compliance in terms of that um Another thing that has been major for us is also ensuring that um, HR doesn't own culture. Mm-hmm. Everyone within the organization now owns culture. So that's why, like I mentioned, for instance, there are some interviews that I might be conducting, but nobody in HR is the one actually handling that culture fit interview. It's probably somebody else from another market in another department that is actually handling So we call them culture fit champions. That's what we call them. And the idea behind that is these people are displaying our culture. They understand our culture. We've walked them through what it is that we are looking at in terms of culture. So when they are taking the culture fit interviews, they're able to identify those same culture in people that we are looking to bring in. So this way, everyone owns culture. So those are some of the little things that we are doing um, just to ensure that that culture is there. And also as much as possible, recognizing people that embody our culture. So we have ambassadors. So this person is the people make peg person of the month and stuff like that, just to ensure that we are still reiterating what culture is for peg and people who are leaving those cultures. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to dig, you know, I, I know we have a, a, few, a few minutes left and I want to dig a little deeper into the last element that you mentioned, which is HR does not own culture. It is distributed in the organizations that are culture-free champions that are well, championing the, the, the culture of the organization. This is so powerful because like many other things that happen in the organizational world, we just like throw it to HR and tell them like, you know, now HR is the owner of this thing. And this is not true, right? I mean, performance, management, and many other areas are not they should not be owned by HR. HR is an architect, you know, making sure that all the pieces are working together. So how are you doing this? How are you working with your co-leaders and making sure that they are championing the culture, that they are understanding the culture and that you're keeping an eye on the work that they are doing so that they are doing it, you know, uh, uh, for the best benefit of the company? I I think um, um, for us is we have from the beginning set out the fact that everybody has a voice within the organization. And as you know it, whilst yes, it might be that at the top, we are designing what that culture looks like. But for us, it's very important that the custodian and the implementers of this culture is cascaded down. That is the only way that we are transparent. That is the only way we are gaining the trust of employees. And we ensure that, for instance, we have stuff that we have, what we call like, which I'm pretty sure you're familiar with in the audience, might be Kaizen meetings. And at Kaizen meetings, you find that it's not just the middle management or senior management that are handling these meetings. You find people at the lower levels actually also facilitating these meetings. Again, just build, breeding that culture and ensuring that we are walking the talk in terms of that culture. So that is the way that we've designed um, things to be in terms of culture. And one of the things that um, helped us mostly with this insight is, I can't remember the name of the author, but if you read the book, The Advantage, it helps you to understand that don't think about yourself and your direct 
team, but think holistically. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if I'm going to set up any process, any procedures in HR, I'm not thinking from an HR perspective. I'm thinking from the senior leadership as my priority team and the organization as a whole. So when I'm designing systems, I'm not designing it. We are designing it because that way it's not a case of I design and dump. And then you're coming in to say, hey, I don't like that design. It doesn't work for me. I'm not about if you're part of the process, it helps you to know, okay, this is the aim. This is why we designed it this way. And you're part of that contribution. So for us is in terms of anything that we are doing, it's not HR sitting to make those decisions on their own. It's not um, senior leadership sitting to make those decisions on their own. It's the company as a whole. We do have offsites at senior leadership level, but we also have offsites at middle level where we then come, we have breakout rooms and everybody has a say in terms of, okay, this is where we want to go. This is what it looks like. And this is my contribution to building this kind of work environment or culture. So I think that is really what has helped us by having that in our mindset that it's not me, it's us, that so is, to speak. That is so powerful. Um, thank you for sharing for sharing that those strategies, Tammy. Let me ask you one more question. When you know thinking like going forward, this world has so dramatically changed because of COVID. What do you dream the workplace looking like going forward? I mean, if you if, if you have the entire global power to say this is how it's gonna look like, what would you design? <laughs> Ah, my question. Okay. Um, I think um, it would be um, a VR workplace. If I had the power, if I had the resources, if I had the power, so to speak, it would be having virtual reality offices. So that means um, without needing a permit or a visa, I can visit an office in China, for example. I mean, for me, that would be like the future of the workspace. So that way I can come and experience what culture is like in China. Um, my Chinese employees can come over in Africa, virtual reality, and see what it's like. They're actually seeing the zoos. Of course, it's not real. But again, it just exposes um, the one, the fun nature of how the workplace can be to the possibilities therein. Because for me, I feel like we cannot run away anymore from, I, we used to talk about remote working, flexi time in the past, but even in Africa till today, once your boss is not seeing you in front of yeah. him, you're not working. But now the COVID situation has brought it forward that, hey, whether you like it or not, this is happening. And for me, is that is really the next step. Whether it's training, learning and development and being able to kinetically through virtual reality do some of the things that we need to do and build and whether it's I have because I mean I have employees spread out Denmark US South Africa beyond even Africa I want to be able to visit those places with them and walk those places with them let us have like a virtual reality um, cultural engagement or um, like a, um, a day in the a, a day um, having a picnic day so to speak with our families but virtual reality we're seeing each other and having fun I mean pretty much a game um, of life, but simulated for the workplace, yeah. so to speak. I mean, that would be, for me, the ultimate reality in terms of how the workplace should look like. A place that is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. A place that is really fun and then reachable because this way it really helps to um, help companies 
increase the diversity and inclusiveness of cultures within the yeah. organization. Yeah. Some people run away from that now because I don't want to pay relocation fees yeah. or I don't want to go through the nitty gritty of relocation or visas and permits and stuff like that. But now I can say that I can hire whatever nationality I want without limitations because of that virtual space that enables that so that I can get that knowledge transfer from the different nationalities and then spread across. So, I mean, um, that pretty much would be my dream work. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what? The reality is that I don't even think we're too far from there. I think that's going to happen way before we, we even imagine. So, Jenny, thank you so much for spending this time with me. It was a wonderful Thank you, Enrique. Thank you. It was and nice being here. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking Nature Podcast. See you all soon. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.